Hello, welcome back to Deplorable, a podcast where a couple of friends dredge the internet to find the deepest lore. To unearth the deepest lore, what do I usually say? It doesn't matter. I'm Michael Bastien. And I'm Billy Staples. And it is the Christmas season, and so there's only one topic we really could be doing, uh, and that is obviously Aristotle. <laughs> no. It's Santa Claus. We like we gotta talk about the Saint the Santa Claus. The Sinterklaas. Billy, tell Sinterklaas. us about him. So Sinterklaas. Santa Claus. Saint Nick. Sinterklaas. Father Christmas. Father Christmas. Whatever whatever your country's name is for him. But he's a he's a legendary character. He's said to bring gifts. To the homes of well-behaved children on the night of Christmas Eve. He is generally depicted as a portly, jolly, white-bearded man. Wearing lots of red and fur. Uh, white, red, red and white fur with black leather, leather boots. And in some instances carrying a giant sack of toys. Yes. And we have many things to say about this man. And the various crimes that he has committed... I was, does Santa, so he drops down through the chimney. Uh, in, so in the traditional American mythos, yes, Santa Claus comes in through the chimney. Isn't that breaking and entering? Well, I, I don't, I guess it's entering. It's entering, not really breaking. It's, 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 um, if you don't, if, do you have to break something for it to be breaking and entering? Like, do you have to break a lock or a window or something I don't know. I... Or is or is what Santa Claus is doing just trespassing? I think either way, it is definitely a yeah. Crime. But it's okay because he's a mystical person who lives in the North Pole. Using your magical powers to do crime does not make you does not make it legal. It just makes you a supervillain. <laughs> like he's using his magic powers to do crime. That just ends well for everybody involved. That's all. He's a reverse thief. He's a reverse. He's a very Robin Hood esque kind of character. Robin Hood was still a criminal. I'm just. I. I feel like, you know, this man. This. This man has been allowed into our homes. He's been allowed to break into our homes for a lot longer than maybe he should have. Oh, but where to begin, Billy? I guess we kind of already have begun. Yeah. This research. So the direction, I, I don't know what exactly what direction. I have an idea of what direction you took because I was told, I wasn't told anything specific, but I was informed you have something for us today. One, the direction I kind of took was something that had been bothering me, and that is the myth, and it is a myth. It is not a fact. It is, it is a falsehood. It's uh that Coca-Cola, the company, invented Santa Claus. Yep. They definitely had a hand in modernizing and popularizing the character. But we have stuff about Saint Nicholas, who is the he is the Saint Nicholas is the figure that was turned became the Dutch interpretation of the character Yeah. Sinterklaas, who be- then eventually became Americanized as Santa Claus before Coca-Cola did its thing. St. Nicholas, we have some records of 
from, let me double check my notes so I can get you the exact date. I wrote it down specifically for this purpose and then promptly lost where I wrote them. We have, some, so the earliest mentions that we have of St. Nicholas indicate that by the 6th century, his cult was already well established. Oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> there's a cult. Uh, unfortunately, it's just fun to kind of call it a cult because there's, it's not really like, yeah. It's just kind of due to the definition of a cult. It's not anything nefarious. But yeah, we're talking, we are talking within the rule of the Eastern Emperor Theodosius II, who ruled between 401 AD and 400, or I'm sorry, BCE is I think what we say, or no, not BCE, CE, CE, there we go, Common Era. Uh, who ruled between 401 CE and 450 CE, because it was during Theodosius II's rule that he ordered the building of the Church of St. Nicholas in Mira, which kind of cements the er- some of the earlier mentions of the of the person himself. Since his legend has been around for so long that literally we don't have methods of keeping record of his names, because... It was after the time where we would chisel things into tablets, but before the time where we had paper. So it was in that kind of like gray period where a lot of the stuff that we wrote down just deteriorated because the ink would fade over time and it just wasn't recopied or something were to damage the documents in question or just time would dissolve them. Coca-Cola did not invent St. Nicholas. Coca-Cola did not invent Santa Claus. Coca-Cola didn't even give Santa Claus his patented red and white color. Uh, St. Nicholas was a bishop at one point. Yeah. And that's kind of their, like, his thing was red and white. It wasn't the furs and the portliness. That, that was a Coca-Cola thing. No, unfortunately, fortunately, hey, we got one of capitalism's grimy claws out of out of something that's supposed to be a little more wholesome. I could keep talking, Billy, but let's uh let's let's so, hear let's hear something that you've got going on. I don't know how credible this is. I do I do this might I, I personally think this might be a little true. So the reason the reason that we call him Santa Claus, which mm-hmm. back used to be Sinterklaas. Well, Sinterklaas is the is the Dutch. Yeah, it's because we had. We, at one point, had a character that was very similar to Santa Claus, but wasn't quite him, by the name of Kris Kringle. Mm-hmm. Oh, is Kris Kringle a separate? Oh, all right. And then some Dutch settlers came over and told us about St. Nicholas, and the two kind of, the stories kind of, they were similar enough that we yeah. merged them into the same person, which became Santa Claus, or Sinterklaas. Huh. All right, that's real interesting. I, I like, I was doing all this research on St. Nicholas, and... And uh, trying to identify exactly where his origins started, which is very difficult. Yeah. Uh, again, because for one thing, like Sinterklaas, the Dutch figure, definitely sort of spawned from St. Nicholas. But like the mentions of St. Nicholas are so vague be- or I guess not concrete because of how old it is. I didn't realize that Chris Kringle was an entirely different character. Do you have any other potential information or like anything that you found I, kind of establishing what the differences were between the two? I ha- did not. Yeah, I, like it, that makes sense. I it, it's it's such a this topic is weirdly difficult to like not difficult to research because there's so much out there, but the general consensus definitely seems to be we're we're a little vague on how Santa Claus became Santa Claus. There seems to be a lot of uh not confusion, but um, a lack of hard factual information. After a quick Google, mm-hmm. the Chris Kringle, I guess, is 
supposed to roughly translate to Christ kind. Oh, which okay, is a yeah, personification yeah. of baby Jesus. Okay. Which yeah, I, I do remember. I do remember reading something about something kind of like that. I guess would explain why we celebrate Christmas around the twenty. Well, I don't. I don't know if the, if the Dutch still do this. We we do it twenty four and twenty five. The Dutch used to do it back in like on December fifth. Yes, the the Dutch celebration, from what I could gather, the Dutch celebration of of Sinterklaas uh, was on the fifth and the sixth. And that was that was essentially like our dates got pushed back to the 25th and the 26th, which may be it's a little tough to to nail that one down as well. From what we can tell, it's not due to the celebration, the actual celebration that we do seems to be kind of an, in in the United States, that is, seems to be kind of an amalgamation of the dates from the Roman Saturnalia, not the celebration itself, because the Saturnalia works quite a bit different yeah but kind of a lot of the core concepts of the dutch's the the dutch celebration of sinterklaas and some other uh kind of miscellaneous traditions involving the winter solstice and similar events i you know you've got me kind of kind of thinking with the Chris Kringle being a reference to the the Christkind figure and I've got I've got kind of two two thoughts on that for one just as a as a quick aside so theologically speaking Jesus's birthday was not during December it's actually probably more probably closer to like July or August hmm we celebrate like the the celebration of Jesus's birth on Christmas Eve is something that is very much it was during probably it's likely from kind of from what my research was doing or doing saying finding what I was finding in my research it's probably not unlikely that it's during the rise of Catholicism during the early I guess the early centuries I was gonna say like the early 19th century but no that's it'd be earlier than that during that rise of Catholicism and and Saint Nicholas's time as part of the church that is probably where the celebration became shifted over into december like during that time frame uh probably by well uh, actually no because it would have to have been it would have to have been closer to that's an interesting thought because it would have it would have had to have been closer to when the dutch celebration of sinterklaas came over to the United States because celebrating Christmas on December 25th is a pretty U.S. kind of thing. Yeah. Even in the other, in other like countries and things where they've adopted uh, a celebration of Christmas, like Japan celebrates Christmas, but it's very different from, from what we do. It's honestly a lot more like a kind of like a Valentine's day sort of situation. Mm. But I, I'm pretty sure that timeline is from like, it's adopted from just sort of the United States's celebration of Christmas on December 24th and 25th. The other thing that, that caught my eye when you met or caught my eye, caught my ear, caught my brain. One of the three, when you mentioned Christkind was a legend that about St. Nicholas that um involved St. Nicholas not only being the saint of children, but also of sailors. Did you did you happen to pick up this story as you were researching? I did not. There is a story of St. Nicholas helping some sailors that were caught in a bad storm off the coast of Turkey. By the way, other side note, uh yeah, St. Nicholas born uh born in what is now modern day Turkey. Yeah. There was apparently a very bad storm raging and 
the sailors were all, you know, terrified. And so they basically cried out to St. Nicholas for help. And purportedly, uh, by the legend, he was standing, he suddenly was standing on the deck of the ship. He ordered the sea to be calm, the storm died away, and they were able to sail the ship safely back to port. Huh. What I find interesting, and the reason why I bring this up, in conjunction with your mention of Christkind, is that story just about one-for-one parallels one of the miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible, in which he was um, sailing with his disciples who, by the way, were largely composed of fishermen, so they, they knew what they were doing on the sea. And he was asleep below decks, and there was this crazy storm going on, and basically one of the disciples went to Jesus and were like, and was like, hey, how are you still asleep? We're, like, we're gonna die, basically. And Jesus is like, he said something along the lines of, do you really have so little faith that I'm gonna let, I'm like, we're all gonna drown on this? All right. And then he gets up, and goes out and just basically says, like, tells the storm to be quiet and to chill out. And the storm died away. In almost like, in it's like I said, this it parallels very closely with yeah. this legend about Saint Nicholas. And I like, I just I, I find that I find that to be an interesting parallel with the idea that the legend of Chris Kringle, which was sort of morphed from. Uh, Christkind then seems to kind of link back to the story of St. Nicholas in that way. So earlier when I was giving the description of Santa, Mm -hmm. I mentioned that he lives in the North Pole. Yes. That's where he lives according to the U.S. In Finland... Uh Uh-oh. In Finland, he lives in a north part of their country called Lapland. Okay. But then a Swedish company around the year of 2007 suggested that a mountain peak nearby would be a better it'd be a better starting point for a a trip around the world Mm -hmm. it's and i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher the name of this where this mountain peak is located and oh always very sorry i i looked up a pronunciation to hopefully make it better kyrgyzstan all right um so the you know in kyrgyzstan the, the swedish company was like yeah that would be a better that mountain peak over there would be a better place for him to do the the full round around the world to to get presents to people. Well, mm-hmm. some explorers at one point climbed that mountain, got to the top, planted a flag, and christened it Santa Claus Mountain. Hmm. I and so now I don't know that that's legally binding, but I love the enthusiasm. Now, now as, as a if you go there as a tourist, they point at that mountain you say yeah that's that's where santa stops he stops there for a breather and then goes i love it santa claus has just a whole mountain over in finland i i read that and i'm like you know what honestly makes a bit more sense than starting off in the north pole you know i i if you have to hit every house if you have to stop at every house in the world at one in one night like where do you how do you start how do you start that do you just do like a spiral do you like if suggesting you start at the north pole do you just oh shoot wait what if you do it that way so the if the earth rotates i don't remember which exact way the earth rotates it's either clockwise or counterclockwise I think it's... there are only two ways to rotate i think it's counterclockwise hang on direction earth rotates 
counterclockwise when yeah. viewed from above the North Pole. All right. So if if Santa Claus spirals, so like travels oh. east in the opposite direction that the Earth is rotating, it theoretically should add to his speed, right? Because the ground is moving away from him. Yeah. Like when you're walking down those moving sidewalks. Yeah. All right. So, Billy, did you did you find the kind of the first story that I found that I that seems to be where the sort of gift giving, the generosity of St. Nicholas was uh, spawned from? I read it, but I didn't write it down because I it was a good from what I read. It was a good story, but there might have been more to it that I missed. I, and like I, I think that's a, I think that's a good instinct. There's a lot. Again, there's a lot to these these tales that are a lot of rumor because a lot of the yeah. information that was written down is you know evaporated, and it also got a little blue in some areas. We'll we'll give I'll I'll uh, give a quick slight like a uh, editorial version of it, which is basically that. When St. Nicholas's parents died, they left him a fairly large amount of wealth, which he then just chose to distribute to the poor. Yeah. One of the more one of the more famous examples of this supposedly goes that St. Nicholas heard of a man who, through a string of very bad luck, had lost all of his money and would not be able to afford afford proper dowries for his daughters which in that time in that time period was not not good to be basically to be successful one of the things you wanted to have have happen as uh as somebody's daughter in that day and age was you wanted to be able to marry to someone who was fairly wealthy that would be a way to secure your future yeah and saint nicholas heard about this and so as to for one thing being too modest to help directly and also wanting to save the family kind of the humiliation of accepting public charity, he went under the cover of night and threw a purse filled with gold coins through the window opening into the house, which was basically, that was, it was able, the father was able to use that as, as a dowry for his, for his daughters. Yeah. And he didn't, you know, he obviously he didn't have to accept, he wasn't accepting charity, Somebody dropped a coin purse in, in his house somewhere. But you can kind of see how that branches out into what we have now with Santa Claus coming in through the chimney. What I read of that story, again, don't know how credible the source is, but it, it said mm-hmm. that the the coin purse that he threw landed in a shoe that was next to the fire that was drying. And that's why we mm. now have stockings. That's an interesting, yeah, that's a... That definitely sounds like a like a way the legend was over time exaggerated. Yeah. I know there are several there are several cultures. I think Finland in particular leaves uh their shoes outside. Yep. Either Finland or Switzerland leaves their shoes outside uh on well not Christmas Eve because that's the the United States one, but on on the date that they celebrate uh Sinterklaas. S- Sinterklaas Eve. Sinterklaas Eve. I don't know what they call it over there. So that definitely, I can definitely see how that, like the legend kind of evolved over time and became this. Yeah. 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 I can definitely see that. Now when researching stuff about Santa Claus, while researching Santa Claus, I did come across some, well, one, an interesting theory and two, 
a small fact I didn't know about his reindeer. Mm, here it comes. So the, the small fact that when I read it, I was initially like, oh, that actually makes a heck of a lot of sense. The original names for Donner and Blitzen were Dunder and Blixem, which are the Dutch were the old Dutch words for thunder and lightning. Ooh. When it, the story moved over to the U.S., the names got changed to a more modern German, which would turned out to be Dun, uh, Donner and Blitzen. Okay. I do kind of love that. That's uh, very Thor vibes. I like it. The interesting theory that I have that I had to research into was Mm -hmm. in the U.S., our depictions of Santa's reindeer all have antlers. Okay. Except male reindeer don't keep their antlers all year round. And the, the time that they don't have antlers is around Christmas. Huh. There's a theory that all of Santa's reindeer are actually females. Well, but hang on, though. Do female antler, female antlers, female reindeer get antlers? They do. Really? Reindeer are one of the only ones, the only deer or moose that both genders get antlers. And the females actually keep theirs longer than the males because that way they don't have to expend energy to make them again. Also, a interesting. A, a small fact I learned about reindeers that I didn't think initially when I read it, I'm like, that's that doesn't seem right. Uh huh. Apparently, if a female reindeer has antlers, their offspring is more likely to not die to disease. Okay, I could see. So that definitely sounds like a correlation causation kind of situation. Yeah. Where probably, probably. What that is more indicative of is a female reindeer that has healthy antlers is more like is like more likely to be more robust or healthier. That's that's the thing. Researchers and people looking into rain this this phenomenon actually notice that in reindeer pop uh, populations, if the females that have antlers are given the best food from the herd because they want the children to be they want the children to grow up healthy. Huh. Interesting. See, that's, hmm. That's really interesting. Because, so now, because, hmm. Yeah. So, so the deal with, so deer, not reindeer, but deer, um, male deer use their antlers basically to fight each yeah. other male deer for a mate. It's, it's the, that's their kind of, that's their, th- their thing. It's like uh, like the species of birds, like peacocks, that, you know, peacocks, the male peacocks are the ones that are all colorful and, yeah. and, and bright. And that's just, that's to attract the attention of a mate. With deer, they have the big antlers so they can fight each other over it. I wonder if with reindeer, the antler situation is not light. It's not unlike the, the peacock's feathers. So from what I was able to gather... From looking from looking into reindeers, the the antlers is more of just a so for for male deer it is a like you said they use they use the antlers to to fight other male deers for a mm-hmm. mate. For reindeers, it's more of just like a a thing that just happens. Aesthetic. I was under the impression that all antlers are made out of bone. Is that apparently reindeer antlers are just dried blood? Oh, I don't love that. Which was not something I wanted to read. I kind of hate that. That's cursed. And a little metal. It ossifies, so it does turn into something similar to bone. Uh-huh. But it 
it does just start off... The reason they're fuzzy is it just starts off as blood. Which is terrifying. Yeah, I I really don't like that, actually, at all. That is That was not something I wanted to read. I, I'm, no, I'm, hmm, that's, I don't like that. I, I very much don't like that. It does make sense that that's why they don't have antlers all the time, though. Yeah. Because it's not like a bony protrusion. It is a, ugh. oh no. I, I went down, to think I went down that rabbit hole because there was a proposed theory that all of Santa's reindeer are female. Which. Yeah. Thinking about it could be true, but at the same time, also it might also be that Santa's reindeer, because they live in the North Pole, they male, they might keep their antlers at different times than reindeer in like Canada. Uh, that's fair too. Are, are reindeers are reindeers in Canada? I don't know. I know Canada has moose. I'm sure Canada has reindeer. I would be immensely surprised if they did not. Sounds like. Canada does have some reindeer, not a lot. And and I mean other than, you know, reindeer that get brought in. Yeah. Uh brought in by human invasive humans are the invasive species. Yes, we are. We are we are burning through my information and I think your information as well. Uh, I do have one other tidbit that I found which I was I I kind of found fun. Well, I'm going to say that, and then I'm going to read this opening line. And during the German occupation of the Netherlands in uh, during World War Two. Yes, World War Two. There were instances in such as in 1941, where the Royal Air Force dropped boxes of candy over the occupied Netherlands. Oh, I I remember this story. Which I I kind of love. It actually even uh, inspired some alterations to some sort of Sinterklaas uh, rhymes being rewritten, which celebrated the Royal Air Force doing its doing doing its uh, its thing and giving sweets to the people who were in a little bit of trouble uh, during that time, as well as disparaging. Uh, the Germans for their unwholesome occupation of their lands to dance around the exact nature of the, how their rhymes got changed with uh, a very light foot. What else did you find, Billy? Anything? Uh, anything else interesting? I'm out of I'm out of information in regards to Santa Claus, but I do know of a story that you just reminded me of, mm. which was I I don't remember quite where this was. Mm-hmm. But there was, during one of the wars, I think World War One or... It was either one or two. Okay. There was a... There was a, a fight had broken... A gunfight had broken out. And it was around Christmas. Both sides decided to kind of cease fire. Mm-hmm. Because they wanted... they bo- Both sides wanted to celebrate Christmas. And so they stopped shooting at each other and celebrated for a little bit. And then as soon as Christmas was over, the war resumed. You know, I think I've heard that story. I it's definitely it's definitely something that gives you a little bit of hope, you know. Yeah. And uh sometimes maybe it maybe it's one of those things that's too good to be true. Maybe 
maybe it's one of those things that uh in the in the spirit of believing in the good of humanity maybe we don't need to look too hard into whether or not that's true maybe we can just have a little bit of a little bit of faith yeah so it was around christmas day of 1914 during world war one both sides did uh basically had an unofficial ceasefire they emerged from the trenches and shared gestures of goodwill in between both of them in no man's land they sang Christmas carols, and the Allied soldiers heard brass bands joining the Germans in a joyful string and singing. It was it was like not really. A, it was more like a half a day or so of an unofficial ceasefire to celebrate Christmas, and then the war resumed. Hearing that two sides that were locked in a conflict stopping and being like, "Wait a minute, okay, today is Christmas. Let's let's chill for a minute." put our differences aside, and celebrate. It's one of the more wholesome things that I've heard. Yeah. And it became known as the the unofficial Christmas truce of 1914. And I think... Speaking of wholesome, want to talk about the Krampus? <laughs> what do you got about Krampus? I mean, I just have the existence of the Krampus to be perfectly fair. Uh, I just wasn't sure if we wanted to bring the Krampus up. It's kind of... It's he's it's kind of relevant to the story of Saint Nicholas and Santa Claus since it's kind of uh, the anti Santa. Yeah, well, I mean, if if the reindeer are fair game, then I feel like Krampus is fair game. Though the interesting thing is, I wanted to know what the like what the origins of Krampus were. Oh, but it almost doesn't. I think the Krampus is German. I think that is where the like it's Central European um, folklore is kind of where the original story of of Krampus came from. Krampus being, let's let's take a quick sidestep into what is this Krampus? Like I said, kind of the anti Santa is this sort of demon half goat half demon creature that punishes misbehaving children during the Christmas season, kidnapping and murdering and all kinds of nasty things. It seems that, you know, you'd think with a story like that, that the Krampus would have been very popular as a fairy tale or as a folk tale with how dark a lot of that stuff gets. Yeah. But I'm I'm honestly seeing something more along the lines of the Krampus was a fairly un, unsung legend until uh, North America kind of got their hands on it around the 17th century, which is, it's still pretty old, but it's not nearly as old as I expected it to be, and nowhere near as old as the legend of St. Nicholas himself. I thought that was kind of interesting that Krampus was as young as, a, as young a legend as it was. Yeah. it's It seems to have been more in recent years, and with the writings, writings of... American fantasy author Gerald Brom. We do have a little bit of a little bit of stuff about the Krampus in 1932, but it, it like I said, it seems to be more modern. It's more modern times that caused the Krampus to resurge in popularity. I have a I have a 1900s greeting card reading greetings from the Krampus, and it's funny because it's a 1900s art style so it's not as gruesome as something made today would be but Krampus is definitely just stealing some children 
well, that's about all I really I really wanted to do was just bring up the Krampus itself. I like there's the story of the Krampus, which it gets it get he gets you if you're particularly bad. Mm-hmm. Which got me thinking, where did the idea that if you are bad, if you misbehave, Santa gives you coal? coal? Where did that come from? And now comes the part of the show where we do a quick Google. Italy? Hang on. I found something from Mental Floss, which Mental Floss is fairly... Mm. It's usually somewhat... Oh! Okay, so it... A character, a character we have not talked about that I specifically avoided for some reasons, I think, uh, would be Zwart Piet. Yes. Zwart Piet. Zwart Piet, or more, uh, Zwart Piet is a, is a character, an unfortunate character, dating back to the early, looks like 19th century-ish. In the more traditional Dutch celebrations of of Sinterklaas, Zwart Piet, Piet translates in English to Black Piet, and it's something. It is something that is not aged well. Yeah, the character the character is is uh, shown as kind of an assistant to Sinterklaas, and would be is described in legend as. A a black skinned person from Spain, a dark skinned person. It, that legend has somewhat shifted, not the legend, but like the character. Given as we're slowly becoming more and more aware of, not necessarily aware of, but to use a modern expression, becoming a little more woke. <laughs> yeah, and we're trying to do away with a lot of the the racism that still plagues are a lot of it's not despite how we might feel the United States is not the only country that is incredibly racist. There are a lot of racist traditions that still permeate a lot of societies. And this would definitely be one of those where it's still being kind of worked on nowadays it's the character has been adjusted a little bit where uh zwart piet his face is blackened with soot because he had to climb through chimneys to deliver gifts for sinterklaas but there is kind of in the the original the original version of this character in the original legend children that had been misbehaving would be taken back to spain in zwart piet's bag and sold into slavery which you can see where some there's a there's a bit of a problematic worldview yeah. sort of slapped onto that one. It's not it's not good it's not good. But yeah, that would probably that very much would probably be the source of the coal giving to misbehaving children. The other the other idea that some people have as to why he gives a lump of coal is it, it less has to do with Santa and more the gift giving itself. Mm-hmm. So he he carries around the bag full of toys for the the well behaved children. But Santa doesn't really have the space to carry something for the bad children. Mm-hmm. So the reason he gives a lump of coal is because coal fired uh, fireplaces were common in the nineteenth and early twentieth centuries. 
So he would just reach down and grab some coal out of that and then put it in the sock in the stocking. All right. Yeah, I can see I can see how that that would spawn. Um however in other with with other characters similar to Santa Claus, they've been less reluctant to carry bad gifts. So you might get bundles of twigs, bags of salt, some garlic, or even onions. Huh. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I, I, I don't know. Something. I, somehow, somehow that interpretation of of the origins of giving coal of Santa Claus giving children coal adds a adds a um a satisfying spin on the narrative. It's it's yeah. Santa Claus being as generous as he is supposed to be, it never really sat i guess i you know it's a legend so it is what it is it never really sat quite right with me that the idea that this very generous and jolly individual would go out of his way to give coal to misbehaving children but the idea that he literally just doesn't like he doesn't have the room to carry gifts for every child yeah so the ones that are misbehaving are the ones that are going to have to do without. That that gives a a spin of like if Santa could, he would give gifts to every every kid. But, you know, there's only so much room even even with Santa Claus's, you know, magic present carrying satchel bag of holding. I've just remembered something that I came across. Yo, earlier we were talking about how St. Nicholas left that bag of coins. Yes. Well, it's believed that the reason that that bag of coin is the reason why we use stockings, but that also spurred the tradition of at the bottom of the sock, uh, the bottom of your stocking, leaving a bag of golden coins. Oh, I seem to remember that. Wasn't there? Isn't there a place that does chocolate coins? Yes, I think that's actually what we used to do in the U.S. But the other thing about that was if the home that you lived in wasn't as profitable. Mm-hmm. The bag of golden coins would be replaced with a golden fruit, which would be either a satsuma or a tangerine. Is that where the gosh darn satsuma came from? That's I. The minute I read that, I'm like, wow, that makes that puts more perspective onto why the tenth was not surprised that he found a satsuma in his. The tenth, yes, (laughs) to very quickly elaborate, uh, the tenth doctor from Doctor Who. There's a store. There's a Christmas specials are a big deal for Doctor Who, the the TV series, uh, and there was a there was absolutely a scene where um, on Christmas Day the Doctor found a Satsuma at near the end of the episode, and he's like, "Isn't that just how it is? You go through all these gifts, and at the bottom of your thing is always that one old stupid Satsuma." You know, there's a lot of perspective when it comes to this particular holiday in the U.S. with the different financial situations that everybody finds them in this time of year. And yeah. And there, there were, there are definitely, there are definitely a lot of people who, a lot of children who were just, you know, excited to find, excited to find a Satsuma, an orange, a tangerine of some variety. And I think that's, you know, maybe that's something to something to think about. It always, it always. Uh, I think that's a lot, always that's that's often a message in Christmas specials and things is trying to help people 
in in this you know like i kind of said capitalist money-centric society that we live in trying to help people remember what the important things are and that yes it is nice to have money and yeah not having not having anything not having a lot of a lot of liquid assets can make things real hard but it's also i think important to remember the things you do have and by the things i mean the people that you have around you yeah it's easy to say don't let the holidays get to you but at the same time be careful that you do let the holiday like be careful letting the holidays get to you well on that note I think we've gone through basically everything that we've had. Yeah. Uh I don't know about you, but I'm kind of I'm kind of sitting on on the fence on a couple of these. I don't I don't know that there's anything I really call the deepest lore this time. I think we did a good job finding a lot of the obscure stuff. Yeah. But yes, let it not be said that Coca-Cola invented Santa Claus. They did not. To be honest, they didn't even invent his red coat. They helped modernize him. They gave. They helped give him his modern design. But uh... Uh, I do have. Oh, you have more. I have a little fact. I wasn't going to bring it up because you kind of covered it. Billy's mini fact corner. His Santa Claus's attire. His signature red coat with the white, the white fur cuffs. Mm-hmm. That wasn't. That wasn't popular until 1863 with an illustration of Saint Nicholas by a Mr. Thomas Nass. Mhm. Which when I you know I wasn't going to bring it up because you you brought up that that Coca-Cola did not No caveats, proceed with confidence. Coca-Cola came out and said, "Yeah, we didn't we didn't invent this version of Santa Claus." And they actually credited Thomas Nast with this illustration oh, he cool. made. Oh, okay. So all right, so they the illustration that they was they were using wasn't just like yeah it was it was a lot it was at least in a large enough part that coca-cola came out and mentioned it based on the illustration by my in my research i i actually went to the coca-cola website where they have like 10 facts about the santa claus advertisements and coca-cola and the Mm -hmm. second point was like despite what everyone says we didn't invent this it was all this guy we just Grew drew inspiration from his work, and I was like, "Wow, that's actually at least they brought at least they brought it up at some point and just took credit." But I, I for one, was under the impression that they did. At least they, I was under the impression they made the modern aesthetic of him. Until yeah. we started researching, and then I was like, "Oh, okay." Now, as for the deepest lore, I think I think this episode is one we'll have to leave up to the viewers. Well, I viewers, agree. L- listeners, we we keep making that same. That's all right. One day, one day, one day, we'll be good at podcast. But there's just there's so much here, and it's all it's all pretty obscure and varying degrees of hilarious and just interesting. I think um I think you're right. Yeah, it's up to it's up to you guys. You guys listening at home? What did you? What factoid or bit of information did you not know or did you know the least about um, or did you find the most interesting? We have a Twitter. Let us know. Yes. Our our Twitter handle is at Deplorable. When, when this episode goes live, let us know. What's the 
what your your take is or or alternatively do you know something that we didn't cover we didn't cover we like we can't cover everything in these episodes that we find in our research we have to be pretty picky yeah what other little what other little facts did you do you have that you know about santa claus that um that we didn't that you think we missed If you have any topic suggestions or general feedback, feel free to email us at deplorablecontact at gmail.com. And as always, thank you all for listening. I'm Michael Bastine. And I'm Billy Staples. And we will see you next time. Bye.